This is BioBusters, Professors Hanging Out Talking Science, episode number 23, recorded on February 11th, 2020. Hello folks, you are listening to the podcast that takes you beyond the classroom and into the trenches of science. I'm Dr. Abby Abdallah and I'm here with Dr. Fawner and Dr. Keller. How are you guys doing today? Can't complain. No complaints here. Well, you can complain. We shouldn't, but I won't. But Well, that's good. And uh, how's the semester shaping up? So far, so good. Busier day by day. Oh, you are. I have nothing this finally. God, how's Uh, that sound? (laughs) Man, you are a repository for poor choices of word on my end, aren't you? You remember everything. Do you have photographic memory? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe we should test it. He does have a pretty good memory. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, how are you doing? I'm Dr. doing well. Abdallah. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing well. Okay. Finally back in the swing of things. Yes. So, uh, we have a birthday today, February 11th. A big one. Big one, 1847. Thomas Alva Edison. Indeed. Which, Ooh. this should go without saying for anybody who, I don't know, got through elementary school, middle Probably. school. But, um, of course, Thomas A. Edison, American inventor, held a world record 1,093 patents including those that he held jointly with others. And he created the world's first industrial research laboratory. I know. Isn't that amazing? Has someone beaten that record? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Not me. I failed to Google that. (laughs) That's okay. If if somebody can write in and uh, correct us on that one. But still, 1,093 patents is... That's 1,093 more patents than, uh, than I have. But that was a good joke. In 1868, his first invention was an electric vote recording machine. You know, they could have used that last week. Right? Yeah. In Iowa. Uh-oh. We're two minutes in and we're, <laughs> we're already two That's minutes right. in and that we're already slinging well, barfs. Well, the, uh, anything come out about the New Hampshire one? I mean, they did write in, pa- uh, they did New, paper. New Hampshire right? is today. It's okay. today. Yeah. Right. But we try to stay away from politics. Sure. Um, in 1869, oh, he so made... Funny. He made improvements on the stock ticker in 1869, invented the phonograph in 1877. This guy never stopped, no. did he? Uh, he definitely lived to work and not the other way around. Um, 1879, he invented the first prototype of a commercially practical incandescent electric light bulb. And That's probably the big one. I was going to say the one yeah. that he's most known for, right? Uh, include uh, Other things that he invented, storage batteries, uh, mimograph, uh, often credited with establishing that first industrial research laboratory, like we said, where both scientists and inventors could work together as a team. And unfortunately, uh, what, 1931 is when he eventually passed due to complications of uh, diabetes. So, so uh, the inventor Shunpei Yamazaki holds a patent number of 5,608. What? What's he patenting? Patenting. Thin film transistors, liquid crystal displays, solar cells, flash memory. This guy's serious. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He apparently. Yeah. yeah, Shunpei uh, Yamazaki. Fascinating. Fascinating. We have to. Oh, yeah. We'll add it in at least one more time. Fascinating. Okay. Do we have any clarifications for today's episode? Anybody write in to correct us on our all knowing knowledge? No, we had a few right in to uh, do two things. One, to guess our guess the microbe, which Dr. Keller will uh, do at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. And uh, we had others uh, write us to uh, ask. We had sought uh, audience participation in terms of uh, our topic today on what questions they would like answered related to the coronavirus outbreak. And we've had a few write in with uh, many questions, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, let's get to it. And I think this is pretty topical, right? Not only to give our listeners a breakdown and a rundown of what exactly the coronavirus is, but I think the main purpose of the episode today will be to clear up misconceptions. Because a lot of what you see pretty much every day when you wake up and watch the news is okay, what's the newest, you know, uh, uh, sickness rate, uh, mortality rate? Um, what's going on with the containment over in China? Has it made its way here? And they use a lot of 
in my opinion, sensationalistic terms that might spread a little bit more panic than is actually necessary. So that's part of our job today. Yeah, they've right? never, ever done that before. That's never. right. right. That's sarcasm. So, um, let's, so we have a series of questions. And um, maybe uh, anybody want to jump in answering them? How about we start with what are coronaviruses? Keller, you want to take that? Sure, sure. So coronaviruses are – actually, there's a lot of different coronaviruses out there. Almost any animal can get coronaviruses. But we usually think of bats and cats and, well, camels. That was the, the MERS outbreak. So – uh, there's a, a variety of animals that can have them. There's four known coronaviruses in humans, and typically they cause a common cold, and, and that's about it. So, you know, think about the post-nasal drip and the maybe a cough and just, you know, over-the-counter therapy for about a week. But then there's some uh, coronaviruses that can jump between people, uh, humans to people. And, um, you mean that, animals to people? Excuse me, animals yeah. to people. And, and those are the ones that we've had um, some serious... Uh, mortality and, and, and pandemic issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of you will remember SARS, which was the severe acute uh, respiratory syndrome uh, coronavirus. 2003? Yeah, 2003. If I'm not mistaken? Um, yeah, I was still in high school. Yeah, 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and oh wow, you're aging yourself. Then. I know, right? I mean, not not to get ahead of ourselves, but that was very that was overly sensationalized as well. I mean, it was. all of these are between Ebola, the flu. You know, and, and then these these respiratory viruses. I think they get over sensationalized. But um, I remember I was I was just finishing up my um, my PhD work around, and I, I remember people uh, on the news walk around with with yeah, the masks on like masks, they are yeah. now. It was, that was the first time, and it was it was kind of you know surreal because what people fail to understand is that with the what four human coronaviruses. We do commonly become infected we by do. these yeah, coronaviruses, we do. but we they're do. not this uh, severe. Exactly right. They're not. They're not typically lethal. They are mm-hmm. the, the. I mean, people don't really die from the common cold. Yes, that's right. So these these other ones, the SARS, which I believe they thought came from uh, little cats called civet cats. Was, Palm civets, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know that that was a, a that very was the intermediate severe. host. Mm-hmm. Uh, started in bats, bats moved, to cats, yeah, right? Moved to the civets and then to people. And then the uh, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus, which I don't know what was that, twenty ten? Uh, yeah, uh, that'd be around there, roughly around there. Yeah, um, MERS started uh, came out of Saudi Arabia, and then um, that burned itself out very quickly. You didn't yeah. hear much about that one, right. and I think it was camels. Uh, so camels, intermediate host. Uh, that's also believed that it started in bats yeah. and then moved to camels. So bats are evil, I think, is what we've just figured out. From, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of Batman, but that's just me. So another thing that I think is useful to know and something for our listeners is the fact of why are these viruses named that? Coronaviruses. And they're named for the crown-like spikes that protrude from their surfaces. And I think you've already said so they're... So based on what they look like under an electron microscope. Sure. Yes. And, um, I mean, unless somebody can actually see any of these with uh, their naked eye, that would be quite impressive. For our listeners. Ah, you know, I see. Just clarification there. You can't see. Bonner brought out the sass today. I was going to say. Yes, did. In, in, in case anybody was wondering, maybe, you can't see viruses. Maybe uh, Edison would invent something. Maybe. 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 It's still yet to be discovered. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. And so these things were first identified when? Back in the 1960s? Yes. Mid-60s? Okay. Mm-hmm. The human coronaviruses, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are, in fact, seven coronaviruses that can infect human beings, right? Oh, the, with the new one. And let's just say... You know, we've all been, belonging to these four yeah, groups. So yes. we've been having uh, different names for the new novel, the novel coronavirus. But uh, just today, they update the name to uh, to what? Gov... COVID-19, C-O-V-I-D-19. As of uh, about an hour ago, the World Health Organization uh, gave it a new name. And uh, they tried to avoid the mistakes they did with MERS, which uh, stigmatized people from the Middle East. So they gave it a name that did not uh, refer to any uh, location, geography, uh, ethnic group, or Mm -hmm. animal group even. True, although we all know where it started. Yeah, yeah. Um, and see, there's a lot, already a, a lot of it's a good naming. I, I think it's a good naming system. Strategy. So the CO sure. is is for coronavirus. The VI is for virus. The D is for disease, and then nineteen's the year. So one nine. Yeah. Yeah. COVID nineteen is is this virus's I guess 
currently official name. Yeah, it used to just be called uh, a few days ago, was two, well, even this morning, 2019 novel coronavirus or 2019-NCOV, but now it is COVID-19. So, um, so what's going on? I'm sorry, go ahead. So it's a novel coronavirus. It's important to distinguish that from being a new virus. It's New virus would mean some virus that we haven't seen before or we don't have something similar to it in the family. Scientifically speaking, uh, novel is the better term to use rather than new. Mm-hmm. And so what are the current numbers as of us putting our research together as of what, today? today? Um, current situation worldwide? The um, uh, ch- CDC numbers, just to clarify, these are off the website of the CDC as of this morning. Okay, so they should be fairly accurate in terms of well, what they're reporting and the reported cases. Right, now keep in mind, this the situation's volatile. It's, oh, absolutely. It's uh, changing so much, and we'll see things. And these uh, cases are most likely underreported, exactly. And I don't believe most of the numbers coming out of China, personally. Because you they, think they're underreported? They hit, oh, yeah, they hit, they hit the virus outbreak for yeah. a couple months. But, yeah, go ahead. So at least according to these numbers that are being reported, um, estimated sick numbers are approximately 43,000, according to statements from health officials. Uh, But again, likely underreported and significantly more cases are likely um, existent. Um, As of February 10th, which, what, just yesterday, Yesterday. at least 1,018 individuals have died and all but two of those individuals are residing in China. So... Um, big, large amount of mortality. Big numbers. Yeah, yeah, large yeah. numbers. Uh, as far as the numbers in the U.S. are concerned, uh, there were uh, what the CDC calls PUIs, people under investigation. They had 398 individuals that had uh, effectively uh, COVID-like uh, symptoms. So mm-hmm. fever, cough, uh, difficulty breathing. And, uh, that was of, across 37 states, right? 37 yeah. states and territories. So it's, yeah, a bit widespread. Uh, of those, 12 are actually positive for this virus. I believe 13 as of today. Is it? Okay. 13, I do believe. Okay. Oh, I heard okay. an update this morning on Perfect. the way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, 68 are still pending and 318 were negative. Uh, and not that it really matters where the locations are, but they are pretty much uh, scattered all over the United States. There's... Mm-hmm. One case uh, in Arizona, six in California, two in Illinois, uh, one in Massachusetts, one in Washington State, and one in Wisconsin. And uh, I, do, do you know where that 13th one is, I uh, don't, Dr. Keller? I don't remember. Okay. But again, just to clarify, these are the confirmed cases. These are confirmed. confirmed. As of today. Laboratory confirmed. Okay. Tested through uh, RT-PCR, which we'll talk about uh, sure. in a few questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. So keep in mind, uh, most, the I think 12 out of 13 of these people actually had contact with that came from That's the Wuhan area yeah. one person there is potential person-to-person transmission which i think we're going to get to next right. but um the vast majority of cases worldwide are associated with people coming from that location still right so or having contact with a person or having contact but most of them are from had travel history to wuhan that's correct so that's really important to consider mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Keller, do you want yeah. to tell us about uh, uh, sources of the virus? Any speculation on that? Lots end? of speculation. Um, so, uh, currently, uh, there's a, a large open animal market at um, different places in China. And, and the thought is these are live animals that people can utilize in different ways, such as for a food source. But uh, a lot of cases widely caught, too. Not wild like animals. Yes, no, yeah. these are wild yeah. animals, which which would really, I think, uh, increase the odds of, of some of these different viruses getting into the population of animals. And from there, it could easily uh, jump into humans. And as we've seen before with SARS, that's, that was kind of the case, was that you know a lot of animals, a lot of people in close contact leads to some of these diseases jumping hosts. Mm-hmm. And so that's the speculation of where it started. Once it gets into the human population, it's it's possible to be transmitted between humans. I'm going to go out on an opinion and say we're overestimating that at the moment. But there is, uh, I guess there are cases. There are cases. Where it has appeared where people didn't have any whatsoever contact with um, well, animals. No, no, they... 
with infected animals. Right, but with infected people yeah, from okay, that yeah. area. So, so there's definitely people of people transmission. Yeah, so yeah. what we're seeing right now in China, I'm going to say, is because that's the epicenter of the mm-hmm. infection. So it jumped to people, lots of people were breathing on other people. But as you get away from that epicenter, what's the transmission going to be between people? So mm-hmm. they've they've calculated. I've seen different calculations for the R-naught. The, the R-naught, for those of you who have not seen the movie Contagion, uh, is is an estimate of how many people like, – it, it's really the progression of an epidemic. How many people could be infected from one person who has the disease? Right. And so uh, the initial estimates for this were, were about two to two and a half people. Um, that's just a little higher than the flu. The flu is about one and a half people tops. So just, just to be clear on that, so to explain it to our listeners, if we are in a room of uh, – uh, uh, I don't know, uh, three people or so four people. So all of us right now. Same. Yeah, perfect. And one of us is infected. Mm-hmm. And if it is an r naught of two, that means it's likely that the other two in this room will also get it. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Perfect. That, that, is, that is correct. Uh, for example, Ebola is two. Two people. Yeah, people freak out about I Ebola. Know. I always right? bring that up. Yeah, are not as low. Measles, what is measles? 18. In the t- 18. 12 so to 18, but I high 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 a lot higher. You know, yeah. So that's why, you know, not to bring back our, our anti-vax um, podcast, but it's, it's important to know that that's why we're seeing an issue. Not only is, is measles protected from the vaccine, so we, we've lost the herd immunity, but it's highly contagious. Right. You know, mumps and, and rubella are not as highly contagious, and that's probably why we're not seeing as many cases. But back to... In terms of just this spread, though, it takes some pretty close contact. Correct? I would say, About I mean, look, this, so. yeah. So I, I did hear a report recently that said that it's possible for aerosol transmission. Now, I want to be very specific here. Aerosol transmission is very different than droplet transmission. When when the Ebola pandemic happened and we were scared about getting Ebola in the air, is it possible? Yes, if somebody coughs in your face and you get a droplet. Same thing here. So you can get droplet transmission. That's mm-hmm. most likely what's happening. That's about six feet between people. Yeah, right. At the most. So even that, when that's, you're talking, that's similar to how influenza spread. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now, some diseases like tuberculosis, pertussis, and and measles, like we talked about, will hang out in the air. That's airborne, and that's right? that's more of an aerosol. So yeah. now, you know, I can walk through it. It's just hanging out in the air. Mm-hmm. You don't even. You could have left the room. Mm-hmm. For me, right now, to get uh, the the COVID nineteen. We do know that it's droplet transmission for sure. But I heard a report recently that maybe aerosol, that's going to change the game. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see that happening with the number of cases that we've had outside of China. Right? I would have expected a lot more cases at this point. If it was indeed airborne or aerosol. Aerosol. I would, I would ex- already expect that we would have seen a lot more cases. Okay. I, I, I personally think the number is higher than 43,000. But well, I'm not talking about at the epicenter. That's different. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because that you know, you have this. You're talking yeah, about outside, I'm yeah. talking about outside. The fact that we, as long as we're believing these numbers, if we have 13 people testing positive, we only have we have less than 400 PUIs, people under investigation. My guess is we should have a lot more if this was truly a. Uh, an the airborne. U.S., however, is quarantining uh, any people with that. That's true. With any symptoms of that disease coming Mm -hmm. from China. So maybe the reason for that low number is because we're not letting them out into the general population. And it could be. And what what is that quarantine? Might as well talk about it while we're... Well, uh, they're quarantined. So what what they found with this disease, we might as well get into symptoms and complications, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. Is that it has ranged from mild to severe, and severe meaning up to death, obviously. And the incubation period has been in the range of 2 to 14 days. So with the quarantine... Uh, they're leaving people in isolated areas for up to 14 days. And if they do not show any symptoms, then they're let go. And uh, most symptoms uh, for the disease uh, thus far are respiratory, meaning uh, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. And that's really important because uh, that's exactly how we we looked at the SARS Mm. and the MERS cases. This is the same thing. So coronaviruses typically don't affect the lungs. So the, the four normal ones that we were talking about that cause the cold, you should not have any lung involvement. So you should not have pneumonia, should not have chest pain, shortness of breath, maybe a cough, but that's different. Here we're talking about shortness of breath. That's a much more severe 
And that's what's leading to the, the lethal complications. People right. are having pneumonia and drowning. So, And in a lot of places uh, in China, I know they're building hospitals as, as fast as they can. Right? Yeah. They build they that, one, that hospital one in nine in, days. Yeah, nine or yeah, ten. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. It's amazing. It is. But uh, even for those Western journals that have been able to make it through and come back, uh, they're saying uh, those hospitals are rudimentary at best, right? Well, they're not. Uh, yeah. And so at this point, there is no vaccine that no. is available. For any of the coronaviruses. And we're going to get into this with one of our listener questions, but um, a vaccine is not in the foreseeable future. Uh, it's not going to come down the line anytime soon. I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. In terms and, of guidelines for testing, not I, I, I was reading a scientific report that said that they may possibly be able to identify some surface antigen to vaccinate against in the next six months or so. But in terms of vaccine production and testing... We're looking at a year? At least. More than a year, yeah. So at this point, the best treatment is actually prevention, right? Avoiding exposure. um, And these are a lot of the same things whenever one is, you know, uh, sick with influenza, right? Um, Avoid These are all CDC guidelines. Yes. Avoiding close contact with sick people. Uh, don't touch your eyes, nose, and mouth unless you've washed your hands. Stay home if you're sick. Cough or sneeze into a tissue. Throw it in the trash. Uh, disinfect and clean any objects or surfaces that are frequently touched. And of course, one of the biggest things that I hope everybody does who is listening, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. And I guess I heard something like some uh, a lot of people underestimate how... Uh, how often, or I'm sorry, how long they are washing their hands. I think the one thing is uh, sing sing happy birthday two times in your head. Twinkle, twinkle, little star as well. If you finish that tune, it roughly goes about 20 seconds. I'll sing happy birthday. I like to pretend it's my birthday and while I'm washing my hands, I'm weird. We we um, do the alphabet twice in my house. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should ask you that. You've got kids. Yeah. 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 That's good. Because they... They dramatically uh, overestimate how much they wash their hands, mm-hmm. how long they Also, do. brushing yeah. teeth, I found people oh, overestimate. Really yeah, yeah. Kids, really bad, at least mine. Yeah. Uh, something important here, too. Uh, they're suggesting uh, for, for this virus specifically soap and water over alcohol-based they are. hand sanitizers. They are. Um, you know, with the flu and things like that, either it's been shown that either are fine. But with this virus, they are definitely suggesting soap and water um, is preferable. Speaking of which, did you guys hear that, was it Purell that got admonished by the FDA. CDC or FDA? Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, one of them got no, admonished because I guess they were saying, what, a product description or something. Uh, yeah, uh, using this will, what, definitively prevent um, the contacting flu. coronavirus, flu, or uh, Ebola. Ebola as well, oh, yeah. 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 There's no and, definitive out there, yeah. folks. There's nothing definitive. And they were told, yeah, d- don't say this anymore because it's just not true. So, so as far as uh, prevention as well, uh, uh, sort of in treatment, in terms of face mask, and that was one of the questions that we had from our listeners, the CDC currently does not recommend that people who are not sick, again, People who are not sick, the CDC does not recommend wearing a mask to protect themselves. They do, however, recommend that if you are sick with coronavirus yourself, to put on a mask to protect others. Mm -hmm. That mask should cover both nose and mouth. And obviously, healthcare workers and caretakers should absolutely definitely wear one uh, if they can uh, get access to one. If they're working with the, the sick population. Right. So I remember back when the SARS, it was either SARS or the, the uh, avian influenza outbreak, but the N95 masks went, you couldn't find them. You couldn't buy them because mm-hmm. people just bought them, even if they weren't sick, to, to wear them. And, you know, that, that was the scare was, again, because the media sensationalizes things, everybody was going to die. And then people that needed them could not get them. So I think that's part of this recommendation here is to make sure that the people who are sick are the ones that are protecting others rather than, you know, just everybody mass wearing a mask. So uh, it turns out that there's a shortage of face masks in China. And, Uh, you know, ironically, they produce the bulk of them. Yes. Right. But they've had a lot of their factories be uh, uh, be affected and uh, a lot of people are buying them. And obviously there's, you know, hundreds of millions of people uh, out there. 
And uh, it turns out a lot of healthcare workers are not finding proper protective mm. gear. Mm. And uh, they have had over a dozen or so cases of healthcare workers coming down uh, with coronavirus uh, infections because they don't have the proper PPE. Uh, they just can't find it. That's uh, scary. Yeah. Wasn't the one Chinese doctor who initially tried to bring this to everybody's attention? He, he died. recently he, he died, died, right? Yeah. That's tragic. And just for our listeners, PPE is, is personal protective equipment, yep. um, which is different amongst different situations, but should definitely be supplied to people who are at risk of infectious diseases. And so in terms of treatment, once again, no vaccine is available, but supportive care is definitely recommended I, in I, order I, to I, release yeah, symptoms. There's no right? known drug of choice to treat this. I know that mm -hmm. different drugs have been tried, but nothing really has worked today. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Tamiflu does not work for this, right? No. Tamiflu only works for the influenza So Tamiflu virus. is specifically yes. for the flu virus okay. because it targets a flu-specific yep. protein, a matrix protein right. that mm -hmm. this virus does not have. Right. So again, just one more misconception in case people are wondering, is Tamiflu this kind of Treat all or, or can I take all. antibiotics? Yeah, and these days, exactly. Yeah, so not at all. These guys don't have a, a neuraminidase to inhibit, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't right. use that. You can't use amantadine or any of these antiviral drugs. They're just they don't have the targets mm -hmm. that the flu has. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a virus. Antibiotics will not work. No, uh, especially the ones you've got left over that you did not finish Please from the last treatment. Get rid of those. Yeah, exactly. Right. Take them in. How about testing uh, to test whether someone is positively uh, infected with this COVID nineteen? So there is a test available. It's a uh, a real time RT PCR test, uh, but you can only get it from the CDC, mm -hmm. and only health labs can get it right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, somebody had asked, well. You know, do we have a case here? We wouldn't know. We couldn't diagnose it. It would have to go to the state health lab right. or, or to the, the CDC. CDC itself. Now, what does a PCR test test? Well, a PCR is a polymerase chain reaction, and it tests for DNA. Okay. In this case, we're doing something called an RT-PCR. This is a this virus is made of RNA, so we're, uh, the RT stands for reverse transcriptase. Uh, which typically I, I mentioned HIV when I'm talking because most people realize HIV is a, a weird virus that has reverse transcriptase. Um, other other viruses have it as well, but it's an enzyme that takes RNA and turns it into DNA. Mm -hmm. The real time part is that we can actually, as as we amplify amplify and replicate this this uh, DNA from the from the virus, we can actually look every cycle to see when it's detectable. Simultaneously, you're measuring it, whereas in standard PCR, it's all you about have to the, wait end to the end point. Yeah. yeah, right. All right, perfect. It's pretty powerful. So just for our listeners, uh, uh, effectively looking at uh, nucleic material, mm -hmm. RNA, DNA, et cetera. Good. Okay. Should you panic? Yes. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Well, I thought we were on the Today Show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I just, you know... With every one of these out, we're going to keep having outbreaks, That's and right. they're going to be yeah. well documented because we have good mm, people that can document these things and follow them. But ever since uh, even the AIDS epidemic, I've I've witnessed. Maybe this is my opinion, but I think it's more of a fact. Sensationalism, uh, a sensationalized. Uh, outbreaks, mm -hmm. you know, HIV. We're all about to die. That it was anthrax, right? There was. Um, uh, the the uh, hantavirus in a synombre. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all these respiratory viruses, starting with the avian flu, flu. Swine flu. Yep. Yeah. And then the swine, then, then SARS, then mm -hmm. swine flu. Ebola was in there. Uh, and it, it's, yes, they're scary. Yes, they're new. And you don't want, of course, you don't want to get this, become infected with it and well, exhibit these not. symptoms. And I'm, I'm you, not trying to minimal, no, 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 marginalize anybody, but, but the odds. The of, odds of getting it and even the odds of, of, of dying, the, the flu is more lethal than this. Yes, that's right. 10,000 exactly. people, over 10,000 people died from influenza last year. Uh -huh. pneumonia, and you're more likely alone. to contract the flu here. And, and you're much more likely to get it. So the mortality rate may be higher with, with the... Uh, COVID-19, but a lot less people 
actually That's correct. Have, have, have acquired. And, you know, the, the media likes a, a, a sensational story, right? Like, they need something to fill time. We've moved on from Ebola, but the Ebola outbreak is still going yeah. on right mm-hmm. now. There are cases of where, Ebola But where Africa. it always has been. Right. But once it, you know, jumps countries and starts affecting countries like the U.S. specifically, where you don't see it, people start to panic. Right. So, but the CDC believes that the immediate risk to the American public is low. Very low. If not extremely low. Uh, This is their assessment as of February 11th, uh, Mm -hmm. 2020, which is today. And uh, they recommend that you follow the prevention methods described earlier. And they would like you to also know that it is currently winter in the United States. And you are more likely at this point to contract the flu than the novel coronavirus. So what does that mean? That means get your flu shots. Get your flu shot. That includes you, by the way, because I think you haven't received a flu shot yet. Wow, ratted me out on air. That's right. I haven't had the time, but I will. So the f- it's estimated that the flu shot is not as effective as it was last year. However... Any bit of effectiveness you can have increases your chance of not getting... You know I have been feeling a little like getting a scratch in my throat. You look like you have the flu from across the table. I didn't want to alarm anybody. Are you sure it's the flu and not COVID-19? Well, I guess we'll find out. What remains to be found. 14 days. You know, a funny story that I read about this in terms of the media and the panic and people effectively panicking for no reason... Uh, what does, uh, when I say, because we're all adults here, whenever we say and name drop coronavirus, what's something that you also think of? Corona beer. Uh-huh. And I found it very interesting that brands that happen to have associations with the word are finding themselves having to issue isn't like it, pretty amazing? weird clarifications. Well, c- the I company, guess yeah. searches for coronavirus beer and <laughs> beer virus have spiked significantly <laughs> in the last few weeks. And that comes from uh, data from Google. And um, they've had to basically come out like Corona branding. Multiple and, times. Uh-huh. Yeah, multiple times yeah, they've had insane? to issue statements saying that our beer does not cause the corona disease. And I happen to be a big fan. I don't want to, I mean, maybe we get them as an advertiser, but um, I happen to be a big fan of my Corona Lights. So uh, Tony, thankfully... Tony Romo would be proud. Right? Yes. Is that maybe his corona, Maybe Corona yeah, Light so. is doesn't just the... Corona uh, commercials? No? Okay, well... Oh, yeah, he does on the, the beach. Hotline. You're right. Corona uh-huh. Hotline. Okay, well... Maybe uh, Corona Light. But it's, it's amazing, cold. you know, it's amazing <laughs> that Name Association does things like that. And so, you know... You don't get a virus from a beer, folks. Alcohol kills things, just so you know. Yes, you it go. does. Yes, it does. Alcohol kills uh, So uh, let's say you are sick with a new coronavirus. What should you do? So Is that when you panic? <laughs> you <laughs> should also not panic. Do <laughs> oh, not okay. ever panic. So um, if you have recently been in China or have been in contact with someone who was in China within the past two weeks or so and you feel sick, meaning fever, shortness of breath, cough, difficulty breathing, etc., then seek medical advice immediately. It is also recommended that a best practice is to call ahead your doctor's office or the ER, tell them about your travel history, tell them about your symptoms, then go in. This way they can be uh, ready for you in case uh, they need to take some precautions. Uh, Definitely avoid contact with others. Do not travel somewhere else. Please do not take the bus. Do not uh, go on an airplane. Uh, Cover your nose and mouth. Use a face mask if you can get one. Wash your hands frequently. Seek medical advice. And avoid sharing personal household items. That includes glasses, uh, cookware, utensils, etc., bedding. And monitor your symptoms and definitely seek medical advice. Any other uh, uh, advice for someone who you think is sick? I mean, all you have to do is follow basic preventative measures. That's it. I mean, this isn't... But seek medical advice. This science. could be severe. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. Any other uh, uh, thing you want to talk about in terms of coronavirus basics before we answer some listener questions? You think we didn't cover any, any point? I don't think so. I think some of these questions are going to um, add some more details that maybe we haven't covered. Uh, sure. Re-emphasize a few important points, and I say we get to the questions. Okay, let's do it. Doctor Keller, you were, you had a pensive look because uh, I was debating whether or not to bring it up. But I, go ahead. I think, well, whatever okay, it is, we okay. have time. So, you know, I I've spoken to many people about coronavirus recently, and um, you know, it it was brought to my attention that 
some people may believe this to be an act of bioterrorism. Oh yeah, I heard mm. I heard that theory. Yeah. And it's a theory. And and here's the thing about a theory, you can't really prove it or disprove it. And so is it a possibility? Yeah, we've had we've had bad people do bad things. Yes. Is it a probable? No. Mm. Um I mean it, this this outbreak looks to have uh, just on the surface exactly like the SARS and exactly yeah. like the MERS. It's and, novel. Well, it's, 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 it's a novel virus, yeah. but it looks like those outbreaks. Mm-hmm. It's right. following the pattern of those similar right. yeah, the same coronavirus trend. outbreaks. Yes. Animal to human, then human to human, and then hopefully it burns itself out. It's, mm-hmm. It may take some time. The other, the other number one uh, proof against that theory is that uh, it has been sequenced. Mm-hmm. We know the sequence. It has been published, and by all published accounts... That sequence does not exist in any lab that we know of. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So the evidence that, that I saw was a paper that, that says that perhaps this contains components very similar to the HIV virus. A paper, you said. A paper. Uh, was claiming uh, yeah. this. Wow. Okay. Yes. Claiming that, that there's uncanny similarity. I don't think those are the exact words, but that's ba- the basic gist of the paper. Mm. And um, scientists don't use words like uncanny. Yeah, I'll tell you that right now. That's right. Um, but even with similarity, you have to realize that th- there's only so many sequences to go around, mm-hmm. and um, you know it, it, it's not. It wasn't manufactured in a lab, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, of course not. I, I think you would see a lot more severity if it was. Yes, you know. But there's yeah, there's a lot of of, of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. out there. Um, but again, I, I use Occam's razor. What's more likely? I mean, we've already had two different. Animal viruses that we know of jump to humans. Yeah. The pattern looks exactly the same. It would be different if the pattern was different, or, or, or it's, it was an improbable, novel transmission rate, or you know something exactly. skewed off the path. So yeah. you know, Occam's razor is 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 taking the the more likely explanation for mm-hmm. for a, a given yeah, result. You know, there's there 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 are a few movies out there where scientists maybe are portrayed as these you know crazy. Uh, well, it's true it, for some of us. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. yeah it just might be bit. crazy, just not evil. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I don't deny the crazy part. Are <laughs> different. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. So, okay, okay well, here are a few listening questions. Yes. How does the timeline for vaccine production and/or approval change when there is an outbreak like this? Can things be sped up? So, short answer is. Um, it's going to take years and um, nothing can necessarily be sped up because this vaccine. The science has, cannot be sped the up. The science cannot be sped up. But the approval it's, processes can. Sure. It can be. But um, of course you have to have a product though. Sure. In, in yeah. time to treat um, everybody infected in a short, in this short time frame in the next few months, um, it's not going to happen. Right. For there's the current a, outbreak, no. There's a higher likelihood that this outbreak ends and that, like Dr. Keller said before, that it burns itself out by the time a vaccine is developed, tested, and then made available. And I mean, that what goes into making the vaccine, developing it, testing it, the manpower, the resources, um, roughly, oh, the money alone. roughly $1 billion for a vaccine to be approved in the United States. And it's going to take years for this vaccine to eventually make its way through the multiple stages of human testing in order to verify that it's not only safe, but also effective. And again, um, it's, it's going to be unlikely that it's going to uh, highly unlikely that a vaccine is put together in time to help with the current outbreak. I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, Another listener wrote in and said, I would like you to explain to folks that they get coronaviruses all the time and that the name is just a name. And I think we addressed this earlier. There are coronaviruses that infect humans all the time. There have been previous outbreaks, um, you know, that coronaviruses were responsible for. SARS pandemic in 2002 and 2003, MERS in South Korea in 2015, and... um, the novel one that we're talking about now that triggered the outbreak in China this past December. So, um, and yeah. the severe ones are those that jump species, not the ones that go human human. Exactly. Usually. Yep. Uh, also, uh, this same listener wrote, why should people get the flu shot? So if it does blow through here, there are fewer people with the flu also wondering if they have Corona. 
So uh, as we also said earlier, uh, the, the flu is a bigger concern in terms of respiratory viruses than, than uh, corona, at least yeah. uh, in the United States at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are more likely to get the flu than you are to get the coronavirus. So, and this uh, is a hot spot season oh, for getting the flu, yeah, correct? Um, but again, annual flu shot, taking medication like Tamiflu, protects you from getting influenza after you've been exposed. And then just those preventative measures, right? Covering your mouth and your nose, washing your hands, mitigate the spread. Also, getting the flu shot will not, not protect you against corona. Okay, uh, a nice explanation of R0. I know you hinted at it earlier, uh, Dr. Keller. Would you, would you like to give us an explanation of R0? Uh, sure, we can do it again. So uh, R0 is a, an epidemiological measure of really the, the course of an outbreak. So uh, it comes down to given one infected person, how many people who are not immune, mean not have that disease before, how many people could get the disease? And so a lower number just means a, a lower number of people are infected from one infected person. And higher ones, like we talked about measles earlier, um, 18 people that that are not immune to measles uh, could potentially be infected from one person. Mm. And that's really on the high end. Yeah, right. Most infectious diseases are between one and two, right? Or, or a respiratory might get a little higher. But that's, I mean, this is, this right now is, is within that range. We'll see. I, it's hard to do an R sub not. That's going to drastically change with every new number that comes out. That's but it, like I said, I think it's very different in the epicenter in Wuhan right now because you have a lot of people that probably got exposed mm-hmm. from the point source and those people got a whopper dose and are able to share their infection with, with people around them and there weren't any intervention techniques mm-hmm. in place. Yes, Dr. Uh, Delbert mentioned um, here in the states. I mean, these people are quarantined. Yeah, right. So I, I think you're just going to see it burn out pretty quickly mm-hmm. uh, with with minimal secondary cases with with what we have in place. So picking up off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it's important to know with R not that uh, you know in a room of a hundred people, there there is potential for exponential growth, even if the number is low, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if the number is two, that means one person can infect two. And those other two people can then infect yeah. four, so on and so forth, right? Each infection sure, but two. This is but like when the number is high at 18. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly That's serious, right. yes. I mean, keep in mind, too, we're talking about people going about their business. Right. With no intervention. And then we've really tried to – I mean, for, a 14-day quarantine is – how would you like to be <laughs> held that's up for two weeks, you yeah, know? That's significant. That's pretty significant, yeah. So uh, in Australia, uh, they've got uh, people quarantined on Kangaroo Island. Uh, there was like a whole plane or cruise, something. I think mm-hmm. it might have been a plane that came from China. And like everybody is pretty much quarantined on an island and not allowed on the mainland, wow. which is the island. Okay, kangaroos don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Bad news. Bad news. And I think another question that maybe people have that is also likely sensationalized by, you know, film and TV, because you see this a lot in different contagion or outbreak type movies, is the virus likely to change? Meaning um, that mutate? mutate to become more virulent and therefore, you know, uh, spread uh, more effectively and cause diseases in more people, right? And currently, the virus has caused severe illness and death primarily in older individuals, correct? And especially those with pre-existing conditions such as maybe heart disease or diabetes. I think as of right now, um, the uh, youngest victim to date was a 36-year-old Wuhan man with no known pre-existing health conditions. Now, that could have changed based on, you know, as of sure. today. Who knows? Right, right. But basically, um, there should be little concern about the virus becoming more virulent due to some type of mutation, correct? Um, these viruses are constantly mutating as part of their natural life cycle, but those mutations rarely make the virus more virulent uh, and then lead to the causing of more serious type of disease. So just a, a bit of scientific background. We're talking, so this, this virus is made of RNA, as we mm-hmm. spoke about a little bit earlier uh, for diagnosis. And RNA viruses are, are known for their mutations. 
Mm-hmm. They uh, they have an enzyme to make RNA copies. They have to make new RNA in order to make new viruses. And and um, in in science with enzymes, we talk about proofreading activity, and that's where the enzyme makes sure that it's putting in the right nucleotide base pair to match During up. Replication. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in this case, these don't these lack proofreading activity. And so you do get a lot of mutations, but usually that leads to a defunct virus. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Yep. And so I guess the question is could could it mutate? Yeah. Is it gonna? No. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. Yeah. And I, that's what they found I'm sorry, that's what they found out about SARS, right? Yes. I mean, looking back and High school me wondering, oh, all I heard for what weeks and months was SARS, 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 and then out of nowhere, it disappeared. It gone, Never yeah. heard of it again. And uh, a study came out about two years ago that said that's what probably happened to SARS. It underwent a mutation that severe, uh, significantly reduced its virulence, and like we've been saying, burns itself out. Yeah, or it was contained through proper mm-hmm. medical. That, that uh, would be procedure. more my guess, yeah. is what yeah. Dover said. It yeah. is probably contained. So uh, uh, another person wrote in and said, I'm really interested in learning more about the virus's mortality relative to other diseases that break out or that we deal with all the time. And um, I'm not sure if they were asking about the virus itself, whether it's stable, say, on surfaces or, or not, or uh, effectively uh, mortality rates in, in people. Uh, Right now, uh, it's one of the more severe coronaviruses compared to other coronaviruses. Uh, in terms of rates of total infections, uh, there are more total deaths with the flu than mm-hmm. with something like this. Yep. Uh, um, is this current strain more virulent than other coronaviruses or is this mostly hype? Than other normal coronaviruses, I would say yes. Then SARS or MERS remains to be seen, I think. D- depends As on we what collect the numbers. more data. The numbers we have right now, it is. Right. But is that good? Like you said, is that... That might change. It mm-hmm. may change. But in, in relative to other uh, coronaviruses that people get, uh, not... not, not uh, it, it is more virulent. Definitely than a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because those aren't virulent. I mean, it, That's right. Clearly, they cause disease, so they're right. virulent, but they're not As lethal. deadly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, another question... Are the pneumonia-like symptoms caused by the virus the thing we should be worried about? How do people become infected but not develop pneumonia? Is this dependent on that person's immune system status? That's a big yes to all three. Yeah. I, I agree. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the pneumonia. So when these normal coronaviruses infect people, it typically stays in the upper respiratory tract. Mm-hmm. But we're finding people with, with less immunity with the with SARS and with MERS and now with COVID-19 that these viruses are able to get into the lower respiratory tract, lead to a, an influx of cells and fluid, and that's the pneumonia that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so people are, are drowning. And that, that definitely is associated with one's immune status. Yep. And uh, the last question we received, uh, it seems that the mortality rate so far does not seem to be that high. What is the rate like compared to other known illnesses? And what and at what mortality rate should we start grabbing our bug out bags and head for the hills? Could the mortality rate suddenly change quickly to become a more deadly threat? Uh, who wants to attack that one? Whoever. Okay, I I think we've answered part of this right. already. Yeah, yeah. we and, talked and, about the mutation yeah. and the chances that it no, will yeah. mutate so in a short enough it time. Become frame. a deadly threat? Probably not any more than it is now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think the the deadly threat that you should be worried about is if it if it really does have a higher R naught than we think, and there's more people being infected. But how long have those people been quarantined now? Yeah, right. In the U.S., it's been at least a week. Yeah. If it was deadlier, I think we would have seen more widespread. So I'd like to, you know, see another week or two. Mm. And how many people – is anybody going to be a secondary case in the U.S.? Mm. Right? I mean we've had one. But of those people quarantined, is is it contained? If it's contained, no. There's no reason to worry about it. Uh, But the mortality rate, it it is actually high. Mm -hmm. I mean when you're talking about infectious diseases nowadays with supportive care – the mortality rate's pretty low. I mean, Ebola gets sensationalized. Mm-hmm. You know, 90% of people die. Well, come on. 
you know, clearly there wouldn't be people if that. But I mean, the, that got around. But also, exactly, and also, uh, you don't have forty thousand cases of you know, Ebola, right? Because it's not respiratory. Yeah. Right? The movie outbreak that's different. You know, if it if it's becomes airborne, that's a different scenario. But we have plenty of airborne illnesses, and people don't die, like like the flu, exactly, which is pretty virulent. Mm-hmm. So um, this actually has a higher virulence rate and mortality rate than than other infectious diseases. Okay, not all of them clearly, but you have to put in transmission with the virulence, mm-hmm. right? Respiratory but infections are a lot easier to get. Yeah, it is not a uh, bug out, uh, run out of the hills, and head for yeah. the hills type situation. Absolutely not. Yeah, abandon it, society and get away from no. people. In fact, no. I, I'm going to say I'm going to go out and say it, it's going to burn itself out. You're only going to see cases of people that were in China mm-hmm. or associate very close contacts. Other than that, I think it's going to burn itself out within a at least here. It's a quite likely weeks. a couple of weeks or months, and we're not going to hear about it on the news as much. I don't think so. And uh, you should not be heading to the hills. You should be heading unless to the you live there. Yeah. <laughs> unless you live there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's it for coronaviruses. Anything we want to add that you think we did not talk about? can't imagine there's anything we didn't talk about. All right. Well, uh, we uh, probably uh, will end up doing uh, coronavirus 2 in uh, maybe a few weeks to um, um, months after this dies out and we have more information. Sure. We'll at least maybe part of a segment. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll have a follow-up. Mm-hmm. All right. On to our game segment. Ooh. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Keller, this is all you. Oh, yes. It gets... It's getting quite intense, but it's a lot of fun. So, so let's uh, start with the reminder for yeah, last episode. So this yeah. is uh, Guess the Microbe. Yeah. So we, uh, each uh, episode, we're going to present a case uh, or a question with maybe a little bit of information. And we ask our listeners to write in and uh, answer that question. And from the correct answers, we will uh, take a random person. And we have prizes here. Uh Last week's, uh, last episode's question, well, just uh, as a reminder, the case that we have was um, that in the mid-1980s, a large number of cattle in England were acting strange and exhibiting abnormal behavior, including difficulty walking and weight loss and became paralyzed and died. And uh, then these symptoms began in humans, uh, typically those who ate contaminated beef, and they killed all the cows in England. The infectious agent was eventually identified as a misfolded protein. So last episode's question was, what was the first identified human disease caused by a similar misfolded protein, and how was the disease transmitted? And the winner, let's announce the winner now, or should we Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the winner winner was an MMS student. Yeah, is? Nick Mironoff. Oh, right. I think his first name is Nikolai, but go, he goes by Nick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so Nick, thank please, you, Nick. yeah, absolutely, and please contact either Doctor Keller, Doctor Foner, or myself, and uh, come collect your gift. And we have a uh, a mad cow prion rod just for you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Not the real thing, mind you. It is. <laughs> it is stuff. I would hope not. <laughs> so hey, so to finish it up, we're talking about a prion. A prion is a misfolded protein. Uh, it accumulates throughout the body, but typically we worry about its accumulation in neuronal tissue, and uh, they cause neurodegenerative diseases. Right. Uh, it was originally uh, the, the prion proteins named after the disease scrapie. Now, scrapie was identified uh, uh, centuries ago in the in the 1700s in sheep in England. The sheep would display abnormal behavior, and they would scrape their wool off on trees or fence posts. Then they would get ataxia, which is uh, difficulty walking. They would fall down, become paralyzed, and die. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Great we're talking about this, right? That's right. Okay, well, the scrapey prion protein is found to be the same type of prion protein that humans can get. And um, it's it's related to a, a similar a protein uh, uh, made from a gene on chromosome 20 that has a very similar amino acid sequence. And so it's all about this misfolded protein. So the correct answer, right, the first identified human disease caused by a prion is Kuru. Kuru was discovered in the 1950s among the South Foray tribe of Papua New Guinea, and it's transmitted through the practice of... Go ahead. Brain eating. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. 
Yes. So, uh, what, 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 did did they eat the uh, brains of their enemies, or uh, so they would, they would, and their friends, and their friends as well. So <laughs> even their kinsmen. And what would happen? It was interesting. Um, you know, back in that time, the the women and the children would get the brains and the eyes and this neuronal tissue to, I guess, feast upon. Um, Delicious. Yes, but that's where the major accumulation of the prion protein was, and so. Because it's a they, neurodegenerative disease. Yeah, and so, but it, it's found throughout the other tissues as well. But it was the women and children that were bearing a lot of the the most burden of the disease. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And so Carlton Gajasek, who uh, discovered Kuru, you know, basically when they, you know, Kuru was eradicated once the people stopped eating each other. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the basic founding. <laughs> Right, so we don't really see Kuru anymore, but that very good, Nick, very good. Um, you know, today there's other prion diseases such as Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, um, mad cow disease, or bunge, uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, which is what the case was about. Right. And even in in our area, chronic wasting disease in deer and elk, which is becoming right. more prevalent. Uh, is that transmissible to humans? So far, no cases. No cases. No, but um, I. You know, I'd be concerned. So far in Pennsylvania, there's only been a, a couple, mm. and they weren't wild deer; they were right. on deer farms. All right, what All right. is this week's okay. or this episode's uh, so, riddle? I'm really excited for this one. It's going to take a little bit of of detective work, but I'm hoping that somebody finds us. So, now for this week's guess that microbe, food poisoning. Talk about food poisoning. Doesn't it just elicit such a strong feeling of dread, <laughs> knowing that you will be Likely seeking the toilet for about a day, maybe both ends, right? You just had to eat that gas station sushi, didn't that's, you? That's, that's right. That's right. right. Uh, no, nothing says delicious other than gas station deli meat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Watch out for later. But, you know, there's a lot of bacteria associated with food poisoning. Uh, but only several actually cause what we call bacterial gastrointestinal intoxications, where you're ingesting toxins. This includes things like staph aureus, which is the most common intoxication. Things like Bacillus cereus, which is found in um, cooked rice and, and sauces. Uh, botulism is another one. And then the one that we're going to focus on today is Clostridium perfringens. Uh, this is uh, a bacteria that, that has spores. So those spores uh, can be found in the, the dirt and even the GI tract of animals and, believe it or not, humans. So we have the spores as part of our normal flora and the bacteria. No, that's the one that can cause uh, gangrene. Right? Now, that's the thing. So not just gangrene, but gas gangrene. So historically, this was um, a reason for sepsis after soldiers would get right. um, dirt in their wounds and the spores would germinate. And it, it's, it can kill people within days. Yeah. So it's very lethal. Um, and then there's other strains, too, that are intoxications. And so uh, you, you eat typically undercooked meat mm. is the way to get that one. So... Uh, it's a self-limiting food poisoning. So if you get it in the wound, it may kill you. If you eat it, you're going to feel like you want to die, but it will go away. It's, by the way, it's estimated that food poisoning costs the U.S. I looked this up. This is from WebMD from today. Uh, $152 billion every year Jeez. just from food poisoning, which includes salmonella and listeria as well. And some and people are things. complaining about the impeachment costing us money. Yeah, or uh, uh, we're ending the episodes with politics. We begin. Why with did that? you do that? <laughs> well, no, I was just stating facts. That's that's, that's, a, that's a color trigger there. The poor caucus. Uh, hopefully, New Hampshire will go worse smoothly. Well, yeah, they can count votes. Yes. All right, back, back to our case. Back okay, to our case. Uh, Three hundred twenty-five thousand hospitalizations and five thousand deaths attributed to food poisoning. In fact, and, and most of us are aware, restaurants are routinely monitored. I mean, to the newspaper here, right. right? Um, by inspectors to help ensure that food is stored and prepared in a manner that limits food poisoning. So, for most normal operations, you'd like see perfringens to be out of your Absolutely, food. Absolutely, right? And in fact, they have heavy fines against people that are offenders. That's right. Or even shut down the business. So, with all of these efforts to try and limit Clostridium perfringens from our food supply, it really is difficult to consider intentionally adding this bacteria to any food. However, the question for today is, what is the one specific food which requires the addition of Clostridium perfringens to make? 
That is an interesting one. And is, uh, I have to admit, you stumped me earlier. Uh, I this did. One. Yeah. And uh, it is Dr. Cardi uh, uh, thought it through. Dr. Cardi was not Dr. Cardi thought it through. Right. So if, uh, if you know some, some properties of the anaerobic bacterium Clostridium perfringens, it should start to make sense what type of food you want to yeah. Yeah, exactly. look up. So yeah. for our listeners, if you can uh, think or find the answer for a specific food item that requires C. perfringens to produce... Write our show at thebiobusters at gmail.com. And if you have a correct guess, you will be the lucky winner of uh, one of our gifts. And we're looking for specific food, not That's just right. a type of food. A specific food that requires super fringes to make. Mm-hmm. And again, our winner this episode is Nick Muranoff. Good Please job, Nick. contact one of us to collect your gift. So uh, that's it. That's our show for today. You can email us at thebiobusters at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes. Uh, just search for The Biobusters. Uh, you can use any podcast catcher to download our episodes. And you can listen at thebiobusters.podbean.com. I'm Delbert, Abi Abdallah. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Delbert. You can find uh, my dear friend, Christopher Fawner, <laughs> at Fawner916 on a a very rudimentary Twitter account, I'd have to add. Yeah, at least I have one. And uh, Dr. Keller is I, still I have one Twitterless. <laughs> you can you, find him in the medical f- school. You can That's find it. me probably in close proximity to Dr. B. Abdullah and Dr. Fawner. That's right. That That's works. right. All right. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to Baha Namani for the music. All right. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>